Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Burl Oldperson was a strong advocate for education and cultural preservation for six decades as a Blackfeet leader. He started off as the youngest person elected to his tribal council and continued his leadership to become a respected official and honorary Blackfeet chief. We'll get a picture of Chief Oldperson's tribal and personal accomplishments throughout his life as the state of Montana prepares to honor him. That's all coming up after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Millions of dollars have been committed to documenting the stories of Native boarding school survivors. Their voices have long been a priority for Interior Secretary Deb Holland. South Dakota Public Broadcasting's C.J. Keene has more. The U.S. Interior Department has announced a partnership with the National Endowment for the Humanities to make sure the oral history from boarding school survivors isn't forgotten. The partnership includes a $4 million fund to pay for research and educational programming, sharing the stories of boarding school abuse victims. Holland visited the Rosebud Reservation in October to talk with survivors. Arlene Kingman is the executive director of the Great Plains Tribal Chairmen's Association. While she says she appreciates Holland's actions, listening to survivors is long overdue. She's made a point of taking time to go and hold community uh forums to listen. I happened to go to the one at Rosebud and I tell you I was crying with some of these people who told the stories. Kingman says these forums are alleviating some of the trauma. This one woman she had been in the boarding school and and she told how even today she still got trauma from that. She said it was sort of a healing for her to to voice this and be able to see there's some healing taking place now. She says she hopes this money is used to continue healing in that vein, to reclaim what was taken. When they were raised in the boarding school, it took their culture, their values from them. Holland says the goal of the project is to rebuild bonds between Native communities and the federal government. I'm C.J. Keene. The Navajo Nation continues to have a hard time accessing clean drinking water. As KUNC's Emma Van Denindy reports, that's impacting children's health. This is Dorian. He's playing in the mud outside his family's Hogan, a one-room home on the Navajo Nation. He loves playing with cars. His favorite is the Cars movie character, Lightning McQueen. What does he say? Let's go. <laughs> Rontel Hale, his mother, says he's growing well for a three-year-old. Because when I would go to his appointments, they would always tell me, like, um, he's going to grow over 6'2". But health professionals say not every kid on the Navajo Nation, an area as big as West Virginia, is growing healthy and strong like Dorian. Thousands of families lack access to clean drinking water due to a legacy of neglect by the U.S. government. They either have to haul water from community wells or drive for hours to the nearest store. If water is so hard to access, then what is a replacement? You know, for a lot of communities, sometimes it was those sugary beverages. That's Renee Goldtooth-Hallwood. She works for the Nota Begay Third Foundation, a Native children's health group. She says sugary drinks like Gatorade or even Arizona tea are cheaper and more accessible for Native communities. This has staggering effects for children. 
The foundation reports that more than 85% of Navajo kids have at least one sugary drink a day. And these numbers apply to many other pueblos and reservations. And we also had another statistic that said that this is the first time that children will not outlive their parents. That's scary. Hale knew these beverages can contribute to obesity and diabetes, conditions that are disproportionately high among indigenous youth. Her desire to keep Dorian healthy only grew after he was born. Your mentality is like, more like, oh, is he okay? Is he, am I doing stuff right? It's more different when you have like your own baby. I'm Emma Vandenindy. This story is supported by the Water Desk at the University of Colorado Boulder. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Strong Hearts Native Helpline, providing no-charge confidential support and resources to Native Americans affected by domestic and sexual violence 24-7 at 1-844-7-NATIVE or strongheartshelpline.org. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean and Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. Earl Old Person was first elected to the Blackfeet Tribal Council in 1954. He would eventually go on to be the longest-serving tribal elected official in the United States. At age 49, he was appointed Honorary Lifetime Chief of the Blackfeet Nation. Old Person died in 2021 at the age of 92. He is remembered for his lifetime of service to his tribe and as an advocate for education and cultural preservation for tribal citizens. Old Person held other distinguished titles and positions and earned numerous awards and honors. He advocated for the American Indian Religious Freedom Act of 1978. He met every U.S. president, from Harry Truman to Barack Obama, as well as British royals and the Canadian prime minister. The Montana legislature just approved naming a U.S. highway in the state after him. Today we'll talk with friends and family of the late Earl Old Person about his remarkable life and legacy. Join our conversation by calling in 1-800-996-2848 is the number to share your thoughts. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us today from Browning, Montana is John Murray. He is the Blackfeet Tribal Historic Preservation Officer. He is Blackfeet. John, welcome to Native America Calling. Hey, good morning. Also joining us from Browning is Erlina Oldperson. She is the daughter of Chief Earl Oldperson. She is Blackfeet. Erlina, welcome to the show. Thank you. And joining us from the road is Senator Susan Weber. She is a Montana State Senator. She is Blackfeet. Senator Weber, welcome to our show as well. Thanks for having me. Erlina, I'd like to start with you and first off offer condolences to you and your family 
I was in Browning, actually, just coincidentally, the week that your father passed away, and it was uh, just a really powerful, powerful, moving experience there. I remember when um, you know they brought the procession in uh, into town, and I was there on the side of the road with so many other people looking on. It was right around the time that things were letting up from COVID, and it was just uh, just a really, really moving experience. So again, condolences to you and your family. Thank you. Well, I want to ask you, Erlina, what are your favorite memories of your father? I mean, we know him as this prolific tribal leader and international figure, but what do you remember about him and what did you know of him just as your father? Being uh, Earl's dad, uh, being my father, he was a great man and he expressed his feelings to little Earl and I. No matter what had taken place of our lives, he'd always encourage us to continue and do our best. He was always there in different ways that he helped us to accomplish what we needed to be done. Sometimes it was hard for us to express things to him, but it seemed like he already knew. He was a loving, caring, People didn't know him as how he would tease and just a smile or shake his head. He encouraged us to continue on with our lives and to be there and to have something, a goal to fall back on. One of the things that he had stated to me was, he said, you know, my girl, life is too short. Teach my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren to have respect for others. It will go a long way. Sometimes you will not know what a person's going through, but with just a smile and to say hello, it will go a long way. And that's what set, that's what he left me with, a legacy to respect others. Mm. And I often said it to my children. I said, your grandpa was one of these. He always listened. He never interrupted anybody. And just like when he talks to you, listen to him. And he encouraged the youth and mainly his grandchildren to continue. Just like I'm proud of how he helped my son Arlen, his grandson, to continue on with the 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 ways of singing and honoring people. And that's what Arlen is doing now, and I'm proud. His legacy is not going to be gone. It's going to continue. There's simple ways that he has taught us to continue on. And I believe with all my heart that my dad lived out his life in the best that no one could ever, you know, no one could ever fill his shoes. Right. But there's one thing I could say is I'm proud that he was my father and in a way that he loved us. No one Erlina, could ever take that away. Erlina, when you say nobody could ever fill his shoes, I just, I, I can't agree more. And I, I just feel like uh, people from, from your father's generation, uh, especially the tribal leaders, they were just, it was just a different kind of, tribal leader and, and what they they went through their, their life experience I think was so much of it the 
the era that they grew up in and, and having experienced so many things. And I just uh, am constantly in awe of, of folks like your father. And now here, this highway will be named after him. And how do you think your father would respond to that type of recognition now? You know, I believe that he would be glad. He would be honored. He may not show his feelings on certainly so many things, but this would be a great honor for him. And I know with my heart that he would be happy and proud. And I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can only imagine uh, how proud your family must feel right now. And you know, when you think of your father and just all of the different uh, accomplishments he had and, and traveling all over the world and performing and speaking, and I mean, what do you think were his proudest moments? What Of all of his accomplishments throughout his career, what was he most proud of? Well, one of the things that I've noticed about Dad, he really stressed about education. And he would, after he got his honorary degree in University of Montana, he would always go up and do different types of honoring for the commencement or just, you know, whenever he was called upon. But I know he enjoyed going, going up there and just taking part. He really liked university and sometimes I we would go up just to see how things were or just to be there and we'd always see our dad with his commencement suit walking or sometimes even riding in one of the carts that they had ready for him but he really enjoyed He enjoyed meeting and, and, and having all of these, um, uh, just the influence he had on education and specifically with, with language and, and with culture just can't be understated. And also, Erlina, he met with, with foreign dignitaries, uh, heads of state. Uh, there was a, a famous meeting he had with the Shah of Iran. Did your dad ever talk about those experiences? I think the only, um, I mean, this is, uh, it was something that he had done when he went over there. Um, I remember when he come back, uh, I asked him, I want to find out just to see what, you know, what he had done over there and what was his reactions on different things. And he just, he was quiet. And, um, he looked at me, he said, well, there's one thing i done. I said, what was it? He said, you know, uh, I got invited to by the show to come over and drink. They call it high tea. He said, and there was about 20 other people there. He said, and then it came to my turn to speak. He said, and when I got up, he said, I made a motion to the Shah to stand up. He said, and when I was talking, he said, I didn't know what I'd done. 
He says, so I made it short. And he said, I told one of the individuals, did I do anything wrong? And he smiled. He said, no. But the only thing, no one ever told a shot to stand up. You're the first one. He <laughs> said, and I thought, well, I must have accomplished something different in you. I said, well, didn't you know all their culture or what, you know, goes on? He said, no. He said, I was just my own person. I said, well, at least you made some kind of impact on him. He said, well, they'll never forget what i done. He said, yeah, I know. <laughs> but there was just different things that he would tell us, I believe. I don't know what many people know that... You know, everything that he accomplished from his lifestyle, being a youth, growing up, even being a jamboree and going to France at a young age, all through his years and even his later years, being an elder, he accomplished a lot. And we were able, at least sometimes, to be there and help him or just being there with him. Loving our dad was something that was unconditionally. We're speaking now with Erlina Oldperson, the daughter of the late Chief Earl Oldperson, and on Native America Calling Today, we are celebrating and honoring the legacy of the late Chief Earl Oldperson. We do have to take a short break, but we'll be right back with more guests. A number of states are enacting laws aimed at dictating how transgender people participate in sports and even what public bathroom they can use. We'll hear from Native trans advocates about what's behind the trend and how it affects their daily life. That's coming up on the next Native America Calling. Osio, ite unole goge i osta yuna nehi dinioti. Asena doi danane loheske nasku, yinolsta ne lita ale atane nulti. Tedelkwasti, yitadanti yitaduli na in shirkids.gov, wigoli ya. He ake tenosa Medicare, ale Medicaid, unadashka in. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Today we are discussing the accomplishments of the late Earl Old Person who served on the Blackfeet Tribal Business Council for six decades as a staunch advocate for Blackfeet tribal history, culture, and language. Montana Governor Greg Gianforti just signed a bill naming a portion of U.S. Highway 89 in Glacier County in honor of Old Person. Did you ever meet Chief Old Person? Did you ever hear him speak or sing? Share your thoughts and memories of the Chief by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. And uh, we've got a caller who uh, called in earlier and uh, listening on KUNM in Albuquerque, New Mexico, named Ralph. Ralph, are you on the line? 
Okay, Ralph is not on the line, but did want to share that he met Chief Earl Oldperson and uh, acknowledged that he was very involved in the community there in Browning, Montana. So, Ralph, thank you for calling in there with that comment. And at this point, I would like to bring in our second guest on the show, John Murray, who is the Tribal Historic Preservation Officer there for the Blackfeet Tribe. He is Blackfeet. John, uh, again, thank you for the show, for joining us today. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, so much has been written about Chief Old Person, uh, not only a prolific tribal leader, but also a person who held international influence. But, but what is he best known for, do you think? Well, you know, if you had met Earl Wilkerson, uh, he was uh, he was just uh, he was just a man, you know. But he had this quiet charisma. He knew he was something special, and I'm honored to speak in you know about him today. And uh, I just hope that my uh, my words match my uh, my respect for him. So Earl was. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, he served on, on the tribal council for, for a long time. And, uh, and he was, uh, uh, he was directly connected to, you know, the old timers. Um, we speak the, speak the language. Most of them couldn't speak English. And so he had, he had this history, uh, uh, that, was so valuable and, and he shared a lot of that in words from the old people and uh, and he always used to serve as an interpreter and he talked about uh, one time about how important and how hard it was to interpret even though he was very fluent and uh, and then he would say you know just imagine what the interpreters were trying to do with the treaties you know they couldn't speak um, very good either uh, either language, you know. Uh, so, so um, but you know, his leadership. Um, something about Earl is, uh, you know, his leadership uh, uh, sort of from the old timers, and so the people used to say that when we'd go on an excursion, you know, or go somewhere. Uh, you know, maybe to take some horses and and uh, they were me traveling four or five days. And if the leader started giving orders, uh, everybody would just disappear. So, you know, it's just kind of something that I got from Earl. Uh, I, I I was became the uh, years ago. I was the uh, uh, type one. Uh, Superintendent, uh, hotshot superintendent for wildland fire crews. So you got 20 men that, uh, you know, get to live together 24 hours a day for up to 21 days, sometimes 28 days. And so I went and had several discussions or a few discussions with Earl. And uh, I came away from that with and developed uh, from, from that discussion a leadership style that. And, and he said, you know, set your parameters low so that you don't compromise them. And then uh, you could negotiate and and have them become part of the decision-making. They, they'll own the decision. And so that was how I had run that, uh, that Type 1 Hutchar crew. And matter of fact, we even won the 
uh, National Fire Team of the Year Award, National Award. And so Earl was was a uh, uh, connected also to the community. Actually, you know, I think Earl is probably connected to every family on the reservation. And they called upon him for different things, you know, an array of different things. And, and he, there's something about Earl so, is he never refused. And, uh, and so he had, uh, uh, he was respected and, and honored in that way. Uh, and people would call upon him. And, and Earl also had this, uh, he had a drum group that sometimes he would perform, uh, you know, or he would go do songs for maybe a funeral or, or some kind of honoring transfer of a bonnet or something. And he would sing the family songs. He had this innate ability, this unique ability to hear a song and remember it. Songs are very big in our way. And he was well known for that. And, he, and Earl was, well known for being a you know a true advocate for uh, to keep the the Blackfeet language alive and and the the, the songs and uh, and so we have there there are people that uh, pick that up and through uh, and and carrying that on. But uh, Earl used to joke around. He he had a hand drum group of four guys. He'd always joke and call it the Rawhide Orchestra. <laughs> This, uh, but you know, Earl would uh, uh, would end up, uh, you know, being honored by different people around the country, you know, and mm-hmm. and he was like very good friends with uh, University of Montana, George uh, Denison, president of the university, and. I was visiting one time, and and we were talk. He was talking about. He, he was very good friends with Dennis Washington, who is the is billed as the wealthiest person in the state of Montana. And so Earl never tried to, you know, manipulate those friendships. He was just just a, a down to earth human being. Seemed to have his feet in in a circle, both feet in a circle all the time. He could speak the language of the people, you know, um, and and just well well regarded. Uh, and again, my condolences to Erlina and, and the family. Her loss of Earl. Uh, I served on a council with him like 40 years ago, and uh, and he would introduced me to a lot of the older icons, Indian leaders, you know, mm-hmm. and they would tell old stories about back when they were put together different national efforts to do certain things, you know, like even one is it was getting Indians to work for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, you know, and one time it was all non-Indian. So, you know, I've had this, this great respect for Earl uh, down through the years and uh, the, uh, was able to uh, to learn a, a few things from him, uh, and he would tell these old stories about, uh, and I would try to remember them, write them down right away, you know. But he would tell these old stories about these old uh, timers back before 
before we had money. <laughs> we used to say, you know, we lived thousands of years with no money. We were broke for thousands of years. <laughs> and so, uh, but he would tell these stories that uh, just amazing, amazing stories of our culture. It's, it really sounds like it, John, and, and just, you know, hearing, hearing your descriptions of, of, you know, having served with uh, Chief Old Person and, uh, and his involvement with culture and, and the songs, uh, just uh, really, really appreciate just all the insights that you're sharing. We do want to go to the phones now. We, we have a caller on the line already, Chanupa, who is listening up in Keeley uh, in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. Hello, Chanupa. Thanks for calling in today. Yes, I appreciate this time, uh, Sean, and uh, for the guests that are talking about this Blackfeet elder that um, many have spoken of. One thing I want to tell you all is that in my time, my grandfather, Roy Martin, he was in the First World War. He had two Blackfeet brothers that used to come to Pine Ridge during our ceremonial and powwow times. One of them was um, an old chief. And the other one was a Welsh, okay? These grandfathers used to come here. They used to tell us about, you know, um, Earl Old Person. And also, I knew of Earl po Old Person through the Many Hides family, the Revises, the Skunk Caps, and um, um, the Calf Robes. These were guys that I've known. And then just recently, over the weekend, the White Caps came down here from Browning. So I'm pretty well uh, uh, informed with all this stuff. But one thing we always got to keep in mind, our blood of who we are as people struggling to remain free will never, ever go untamed as long as we have families like the many hides, the wells, the skunk caps, revises, and many others, the bull plumes. Down here in Lakota country, we try to administer that understanding in good faith. And just like I explained to you guys earlier in this uh, topic here, my condolences go out to the whole Blackfeet people. In our language, we say, And thank you guys all for having this topic of understanding about our Blackfeet people in Browning. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Chanupa, very much for calling in uh, with those words, uh, words of wisdom from Chanupa up in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. And at this point, I, I'd like to pivot now to uh, Senator Weber, who is also on our show today, uh, Blackfeet tribal member. And Senator Weber, last time you were on our show, you shared how difficult it was uh, getting the highway named after Chief Old Person. Uh, did you expect similar backlash uh, this time around, getting the highway named? Uh, no, I actually I didn't because uh, Chief Earl Low Person was a friend of everyone, and I thought, oh, it's just going to be a, a slam dunk. We're just going to it's just going to sail through. Um, the process is as you go to a committee, and the committee. Uh, if they vote for it, then they go. It goes to the floor, the Senate floor, because I'm a senator. And then, if it goes through through second and third reading, then it goes over to the House, and the process starts again. So, a bill in the legislature has about six to eight um, different 
committees putting their eyes on it and their voice to it. But I thought it was going to be uh, an easy thing. Let me first just say, um, Erlina and uh, John, uh, I invite you to uh, come with me to figure out where we want that, that highway because we can pick the spot. So uh, I'll be working with you, both of you. Um, but I, uh, getting back to where I'm at, I just kind of digressed, digressed right there. But um, in the Senate Transportation Committee, they tabled it. I was just, a, I was just aghast at that. And then I was angry. But what they did was uh, they said, oh, well, highways in Montana are only for fallen police officers. And I have no problem with that. I've been a big supporter of our uh, police officers, law enforcement, our tribal law enforcement, all law enforcement um, throughout my career as a uh, legislature. But and they said, oh, we have this, but there was no such bill. There's no such legislation that uh, said it was only, highways were only for uh, fallen uh, police officers. They made it up. And so I, ha I blasted it the next day. We call it a blast because what we do is we, we just uh, have a vote and we just take it off the table in, in any committee. This, uh, we call it a blast, but basically we just um, forego all of the whole process and then get it right on the floor so we could talk about it uh, with the whole um, 50 uh, state members or Senate senators. But I, yes, I, I was really upset because um, my tribe, uh, the tribal council had asked me to do this on behalf of Earl, that they wanted this. And when my tribe says that, then uh, my tribal council says that they're speaking in the voice of all 17,000 Blackfeet members. And so I was very honored to carry this bill. And, uh, and then um, we got it. We it passed the Senate, started the process in the House, it passed the House, um, and and then the governor just signed it, what was it, last week? Mm -hmm. And uh, we were there. Um, Earl Jr. was there with the signing when the governor signed it. And so uh, that's what, uh, that was what had happened. I just have to say that, you know, we're having... Um, kind of upsetting things that are happening within uh, the Montana State Legislature. But, um, you know, discrimination isn't very far away from us. We are the a largest uh, minority group in the state of Montana. And anytime you have tribe, tribal, or Indian in a uh, in a document or in a bill, we have to fight for that. And most times, especially in a uh, my super majority of Republicans, um, 
they go down. And this was just one of the cases that we, that was the very first one of the session. This came up the very first, one of the very first bills that came out of the session and we had to fight for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that we had the prayers and um, the support of our community and it did get through. Absolutely, Senator Weber, and so happy to know that you were able to to look into uh, that background there and find that there was no legislation, official legislation, regarding reserving highways for fallen law enforcement officers. So good job there, uh, able to get that through. And uh, just to put this in perspective, folks, in 1954, the Supreme Court handed down the landmark Brown versus Board of Education decision that ruled racial segregation in public schools unconstitutional, and Roger Bannister ran the first sub-four-minute mile, and Earl Oldperson was elected to his first term on the Blackfeet Tribal Business Council. We'll be right back. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Earl Old Person first performed traditional Blackfeet songs and dances at the age of seven, Later, he was the youngest person ever elected to the Blackfeet Tribal Business Council. If you have a memory to share about Chief Old Person, please give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. We're looking forward to hearing more stories and reflections on the legendary Blackfeet leader. Once again, 1-800-996-2848 is the number to call. On the line, we have Montana State Senator Susan Weber, who uh, was the one that introduced the bill to name uh, a portion of Highway U.S. Highway 89 in honor of Chief Old Person. And Senator Weber, um, what else can you share about Chief Old Person's legacy today? Well, you know, I've known, well, Chief Old Person has been in uh, tribal politics or served on a tribal council all my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I we I've known him uh professionally and personally. Um my stepfather was his first cousin, so we got to uh know him in that respect. And um but just like the rest of us, all of us that have grown up um under his influence that uh we all knew he was there. It was like one day he's going to be gone and what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How, you know, he, he has to have a state funeral. How are we going to do that? And, um, it was like, I went to the, uh, Kayo powwow, which is at the university of Montana. And, uh, chief old person was always the MC. You know, he was always there and he'd always be, even though there was younger voices, just him sitting there and watching over the uh, dancing and the singing and uh, the happiness that comes with um, with that. And he would sit there and he would, um, he and, and but he'd preside over it. 
And that's, I graduated out of there, out of the University of Montana way back when, and he was, he was always there. He was a mainstay. And uh, it was, I got to say, it was quite a bit different. You know, his presence was still there. We could feel his presence still there looking over, watching over us. But it was different. That was for sure. Um, and then here, and just what um, uh, John Murray had said, that he never let us down. If we needed him, if we needed him for something, a funeral, a naming, or whatever, he would be there. And he would just show up, and he would just be his quiet self, and he would just move in. But everybody would, as soon as he would come into that door or come into that, uh, maybe the arbor or come into your your yard, your backyard, everybody would just move around and get him seated and get him fed. And uh, that's what I remember. And that, and that showed the deep respect the community had for Earl mm -hmm. and uh, his family. And he comes from a long uh, and great family uh, and uh, that he upheld that, uh, upheld what his family had charged him with long ago. Senator Weber, it, it, the way you describe it, it he, he just sounds like one of those people that just had an enormous amount of presence and charisma, and it just it, it moved people and it influenced people <laughs> and even events in a way that's uh, almost hard to describe, but I, I can kind of imagine what that must have been like there. And Let's go ahead and pivot back to John Murray, who is the, the Blackfeet Tribal Historic Preservation Officer, and uh, John Chief Old Person was um, was appointed at the age of 49 to be the honorary chief. Will there ever be another honorary chief to replace Chief Old Person? You know, uh, the way I understand uh, is that uh, the family was uh, going to mull that over and uh, then come up with some uh, recommendations, I understand. But Erlina would be better uh, person to... Uh, to, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Erlina, I'd like to ask you the same question. Will there ever be another honorary chief to replace your father? Um, well, one of the things uh, we did ask that if um, anything ever happened, if he was going to pass it on or if he had someone in mind. And all he did was to shake his head. He said no. So as far as, um, you know, respecting his wishes, we're just going with what he wanted. So, and for our listeners, uh, Erlina, don't under, who might not understand or be familiar with, with what it means to hold the, the honorary uh, chief position, what exactly is that role there among the Blackfeet people? And uh, is it, it's, it's, a, it's a family uh, hereditary position uh, that, that your family has influence over? To, to what degree? Can you explain? Well, on that, I can't really say too much about um, the 
leadership of it, but being, uh, just like I said, when we did explain and wanted to find out if he was, um, since it was passed down to him from Two Guns White Cat, you know, then he would have a name or someone to pass it to or how he was going to, you know, just pass it on to someone that is knowledgeable. But was like I said, when we explained to him um, what he was going to do when he was gone, or I hate to say that, but, you know, he already made his mind up that he, you know, he wasn't going to pass it on. I don't know if it was because he didn't have anybody in mind. All he said is, you know, it's gone. I'm taking it. Mm. And as far as us, uh, I believe I don't have the right to, you know, if dad was here and if he gave me the right to pass it on to someone, I will. But in a case like this, what he had told us, I, you know, I just cannot say anything because it's, he just took that with him. Sure, sure. Well, thank you for, for that clarification because, again, I, I, I wasn't really clear on on how that uh, that all worked out there uh, with your father and, and being honorary chief. And I'd like to go back to, to John again. And uh, one of the accomplishments that the chief old person is especially known for, John, is his work on the American Indian Religious Freedom Act back in 1978. And can you talk about that a little bit and the difficulties that he might have faced working on that legislation more than 40 years ago? You know, Earl lived through a real transitional time, you know, Indian Civil Rights Act and whatever. But before 1978, you know, we could uh, we we could be locked up for practicing our ceremony. And, and, and so, you know, Earl recognized that. He played, he played a big role in that. I remember him introducing me one time to Wendell Chino uh, and Roger Jordan, and and they were talking about it. But in the meantime, somebody else came up and started talking to me. So I never really overheard the, you know, the, the old stories about it. But the uh, the Indian Religious Freedom Act is, uh, was uh, in 1980 here, we had... Um, most of our bundles, medicine bundles, traditional medicine bundles were in the museums. And we had elders that still had the ceremonies, but we only had one that was active. And so today we've got 56. And and Indian Religious Freedom Act was sort of, and, and NAGPRA law uh, really helped us uh, try to stay alive as Blackfoot people. Uh, and Earl, you know, played a lot of role in that. And Earl was also really involved in in the um, Badger Two Medicine. He was uh, a real advocate for for giving the land back, actually, and uh, and trying to keep the oil wells and, and gas wells out of the Badger Two Medicine. And and so Earl was, uh, you know, that was one of his accomplishments. But I was over in Washington and I. Um, and I had was looking through was at the National Congress of American Indian 
this lady was asking me, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Blackfeet. And then she flipped open this book, and, and there was pictures of Earl Operson where he was chairman of the National Congress of American India. And uh, I didn't even know that. But, uh, he, you know, as much as I knew him, and he never he never said anything about it. So, Interesting. You know, they, yeah, and he, he was a real humble guy, you know. He, uh, he never boasted about anything. So, so I mean, he was, he was... I mean, he was just a different person, but but if you met him, you know, he'd be just another guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just that way, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah, this, uh, and in the Bachelor Two Medicine, you know, we've been fighting that for 40 years. And, and so Earl made up a song, and, uh, and, and, and that song is, uh, he calls the Bachelor Two Medicine song. And so he actually transferred that, that song to me, so I'll, uh, out at uh, Mitten Lake here a few years ago, and uh, so at some point in time I'll transfer that on. That song will stay alive. Uh, so yeah, he he was known for for just being Earl. I mean, everybody knew him, you know. And, uh, just being Earl with just, the uh, the Rawhide Orchestra, as you describe uh, it, John. <laughs> Senator Weber, um, what do we know? Uh, about Chief Old Person's leadership style. I mean, how how did he make decisions, and, and how did he work with other other uh, Blackfeet tribal leaders, as well as tribal leaders from all over the country? I mean, we just heard John mention how he collaborated with Wendell Chino and and Roger Dordain. Of course, Wendell Chino, the the Mescalero Apache leader, and Roger Dordain, uh, Red Lake Band of Chippewa. What was his style? You know. Uh, um... I know John served with him in the uh, in the council, but from what I observed about him, his style was more. Uh, it was consensus, and he, like he, like John had previously said, that it was the old. He he was the transitional. Uh, Indian from our council to the um, IRA constitution and our modern government that was formed in 1934. Uh, he was, he grew up in when it was consensus. And then he moved into what we have now, the tribal council that has uh, has the authority over uh, the land and resources and the uh, membership of the tribe, but uh, he, you know, he it was always consensus. I, I never did ever hear him. I have to say that, and John might correct me. I never did hear Earl raise his voice. Mm. I never did, and uh, so when his words were deliberate and um, you'd always know that there's something special that's going to be said for us to, that we have to listen. And uh, yes, he was quiet. And so I think that his authority just exuded with who he was as, as a man, as your everyday man that could, um, uh, that 
has the authority to govern. Um, I may I just say something about um, you know his chieftainship. Well, please. Uh, the tribe does have he was he was a chief. It can go down into his family. Could go down, you know his uh, his father and then uh, his brother and then himself. But we do have mechanisms within our our uh, traditions and uh, our tribal ways that a chief can rise from the people at a given time, and so that we could have a chief. And a lot of it is um, lineage. But a lot of it is what you do. His was lineage and what he had done in his lifetime to uphold uh, the people and protect the people. And so, but you know, uh, uh, Earl Earl's gone. Um, he did not uh, name a successor, but. At some time when we are fighting another fight, a leader will rise up, and he he or she will become chief. Senator Weber, thank you uh, for explaining that. And also, I really appreciate you mentioning how Chief Old Person, uh, he worked through consensus, and it really helps us understand that uh, Chief Old Person was at that transitional period, as you mentioned, and he had you know, really one foot uh, in that old world, that, that pre-IRA constitutional form of government, and then one foot in, in the contemporary world, and, and he bridged that gap. And I think that is uh, part of his, his larger legacy, is just being one of those pivotal figures uh, as Native people. And unfortunately, we just don't have a lot of those folks left that share that life experience or are old enough to have experienced that. But Earl Old Person certainly did. And at this point now, we are going to have to wrap up the show. But thank you again to our guest today, Erlina Old Person, John Murray, and Senator Susan Weber for joining us today to celebrate the legacy of Chief Earl Old Person. Please join us here on Native America Calling again tomorrow. We'll discuss the recent trends by states to enact laws that pertain to transgender citizens and what that means for Native trans and Two-Spirit people. This program is supported by AmeriCorps VISTA. You can kickstart your career by joining thousands of AmeriCorps members in the VISTA program serving to alleviate poverty. AmeriCorps members help organizations make change right in their own community. A service opportunity that fits your ambition can be found at AmeriCorps.gov VISTA today. That's A-M-E-R-I-C-O-R-P-S dot G-O-V slash V-I-S-T-A. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, 
with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.